The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at karm.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. Today is November 7th, 2022. And I hope that you're going to have a good time listening today. We have no callers waiting. If you want to be the first one to give me a call, all you have to do is dial 877-207-2276. And I want to hear from you. All right, let's see. So tomorrow night I'm going to debate, and I'll put, I think I did, I put the information up on uh, the CARM calendar. Uh, I'll be debating on, is the Trinity uh, necessary for a reality with a Muslim? And that'll be interesting. And let's see, what else? I went to a different church yesterday. And uh, my, because of my wife's health, I haven't really gone to church much. I've kind of, you know, just staying with her and, and stuff. I said, I need to go. So coincidentally, I got an email from uh, just, so, you know, hey, a new Reformed church is is, uh, is starting, in, you know, on this place. And the address I looked it up, oh, I know where that is. So yesterday, a friend of mine and I went, and... Um, Nice people, great people, and uh, everything was nice. But they did the hymns thing. They sang the hymns, and man, I just can't. I can't take it. Now I know, I know. There's a lot of people who love hymns, and that's great. You know, praise God, you love hymns. I'm all for you loving hymns. But for me, you know, it's just. Mm, I, I just, it just doesn't work for me. And so. Um, you know, it was fine. You know, it was good. I didn't sing because I uh, didn't have a hymnal. I don't like. I don't like to sing because I have a very bad singing voice. People tell my voice is nice to talk, but they when I sing, people hear me sing. They say they go. They say stick to talking. So uh, it's pretty bad, and um, and I don't mind that. You know, the Bible says make a joyful noise under the Lord. So I certainly qualify for that one. It's more of a noise than anything a cacophony. Um, my family knows I can't sing, and um, I get a kick out of it when I do sing, and they just say, Dad, stop! <laughs> so it's it's like a singing form of a of dad joke, you know. Dad, no, please don't. <laughs> I get a big kick out of it because it's torturing them. Does this torture you? Let me try it again. No! <laughs> so at any rate, a lot of fun for dads. Uh, particularly if you have my inability uh, to utter a tune. But uh, at any rate, so hey, look, if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. And if you're new to the show, my real name is Matt Slick, S-L-I-C-K, and it worked great for radio, Matt Slick Live. So if you want to uh, continue to listen and wonder what this is about, I'm a Christian apologist which means I defend the Christian faith, and I answer all kinds of difficult questions and talk about stuff. We talk about politics, abortion, homosexuality, UFOs, the occult, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Science, Unity, Baha'i, Islam, Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, and a bunch of other isms and istics. And if you're interested in finding out about some of them and calling me up and asking about some of them and or other topics, well, 877-207-2276. All right. Um, 
Uh, oh, yeah. I just want to let you know that we stay on the air, ladies and gentlemen, uh, by your support. Now, I don't like doing this. I don't like asking. And people have routinely said that. I just, I need to ask. I need to let people know. And I just don't like doing it. But we do need, uh, because of these trying times, what we're asking for is for uh, $5 a month donations. It's not very much. And we ask that people go and sign up uh, at karm.org forward slash donate. That's C-A-R-M dot O-R-G forward slash donate. Or you go to the navigation menu on any page on the left-hand side. You'll see the red word donate. And you can just sign up. And $5 a month is what we ask. If we can get a 1,000 people doing that, that's not very much. Considering we get, uh, let's see, what was it? So we got, uh, how many visitors we get yesterday? I'm going to actually look this up. But we get a lot of visitors on a daily basis. And... Um, so yesterday we had, uh, let's see, new visitors, 21,000. We had 21,000 visitors. So we get uh, we get that many. We, and we have, uh, let's see, just look at the stats, 15,000 a day returning. And the average so far uh, for this month uh, is uh, 14,406 uh, returning visitors on a daily basis. So anyway, you know, there's a lot of people who visit the site. And if you're interested in supporting us, uh, if you like the radio show, you like what I say, even if you don't and I irritate you, and you want to keep hearing it, well, then all you got to do is go to karm.org forward slash donate, and you can um, you can donate. And if you do, and if you, want, if you do it for the radio, if you want the radio to be on, uh, you can just uh, donate. And then add a, a little note, or, or uh, I don't know if there's a note addition thing in the setup, but you can just email us and say, hey, you know, my name's so-and-so, I just signed up to don't support you for this much a month, I want to go for radio. See how easy it is? All right, let's get on the air with... Jason from Arizona. Jason, welcome. You are on the air. Hi, Matt. I'm a Reformed uh, believer, and okay. I was talking to someone about Hebrews uh, 6 6, the sin of apostasy, mm-hmm. and I was telling them that that cannot be a regenerated person because Jesus said in John 10 28 that I give them everlasting life and they shall never perish. If that was a regenerated person, and they perished, and Jesus lied. So, correct. is my logic correct? Yes, it is correct. It's good logic. See, a syllogism is a premises with a uh, conclusion. So, um, you can make a premise. You can make two premises out of this. Jesus said uh, he will never lose any. Uh, that's premise one. Premise two. Uh, Hebrews six six. Uh, says blah 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 and you could say therefore Hebrews 6 6 cannot mean that you lose your salvation this kind of a thing and uh, uh, when, a pr- when you have a syllogism it could be valid if the premises are true it doesn't this- but it- we get a valid and sound logic but nevertheless you're on the right track and so absolutely you are correct I'm glad that my logic was right there I wanted to share with you that um, <clears throat> I've talked to some people that were um, like followers of Word of Faith, and they followed mm-hmm. Ken Hagen. I know he passed away, mm-hmm. but Ken Hagen, um, he wrote a book where he said Jesus appeared to him and showed him that Hebrews 6 can be a regenerate person who rejects him. And I was just saying to this person, but how can that be when Jesus negated the possibility of perishing? So, you know. He, people say, well, Ken Hagen, Jesus appeared to him. He wrote a book and said Jesus appeared to him and told him Hebrews 6 can pertain to a believer. And so I'm just trying to use logic to say, look, you know, if Billy Graham said that, 
I can't accept what Billy Graham said because if it defies the scripture, it defies the scripture. Right. Well, here's one of the things you can ask about this issue of uh, Hebrews 6 6. And what I'll do is I'll say, well, do you believe Hebrews 6 6? And they'll say, well, of course I do. So then you're saying that the regenerate have fallen away, right? Mm-hmm. And it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. Can they become Christians again? Is it possible? Because if you can believe the text, then it's never possible for anyone who's a Christian to stop being a Christian to become a Christian again. Would you agree? Now that's something they're going to have to deal with. Because if they say, yes, that is the case, then uh, they're at least are consistent with the scriptures. But most people have not thought this through. And most people will say that, no, they can become Christian again. All you got to do is just believe again. And what you could do is preamble the question with that. Well, is it, if they lose their salvation, can they become Christian again? Well, of course they can. Then you ask them that. Well, it says it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. If you think that means salvation, then they can't be Christian. So what do you do with that? Okay. So, Mel, what do you say to someone who defers to, like, um, to someone who, like, a famous Christian like Ken Hagen who passed away, and they say, well, Jesus appeared to him and told him otherwise. What, what is the best response to say, well, I got to go by the written word? Or what is the yes. best response to that? How do you know Kenneth Hagin was telling you the truth and it really happened? Just ask him, because he said so. And I say, the issue here is what does the scripture say? They even check what, what Paul the Apostle said against scripture. And that was in uh, Acts 17.11. I said, should you do the same thing? If they say, no, we have to trust what he says, then I, I just tell them, then you are not following scriptural admonition, and you are open to deception, and you don't know if you're being deceived by this guy, because you're not using scripture as your authority. And this is uh, one of the dangers that the Bible talks about. In the last days, they'll gather teachers to themselves to tickle their ears. Okay. Yeah, there was a lot of teachings that um, I was just telling this person that some of the quotations from him I don't believe lined up with the Bible and sometimes people view like famous preachers like they're infallible in what they say and it's like I've heard famous mm-hmm. preachers and teachers say the wrong thing and you can't yeah. we can't go by that you know and um, that's why I respect your ministry because it's logic based upon the written word period and um, I can't get involved sometimes trying to debate someone who, well, this person said this. Well, um, how can I prove that this person's experience or their vision was true? I can't prove it. You can't prove it's true, but you, you know, have the possibility of proving it false. Because this is truth is falsifiable for the most part. And you want to have something that can be demonstrated to be uh, true or false, generally speaking. It's a principle. But I don't know if you know this, but if you were to go to CARM and look up just the word Hagen, H-A-G-G-I-N, You'll see an article that comes up, Positive Confession, Preachers and Teachers, List of Heresies. And I have some from Hagen. One of the things I will do is uh, have a discussion with someone, say they are following Hagen. I don't want them to really know necessarily I'm reading what he said until I have them comment on it. For example, uh, that God uh, made us the same class of being that, that God himself is. Would you agree that, that we're the same class of being as God? Well, of course not. Okay. Well, because Hagen said that. He actually said that. 
This means that God made us much more like himself as possible. He made us in his image. He made us like in his likeness. He made us the same class of being that he is himself. And that is foolish and illogical and unscriptural. He said, uh, the believer is as much an incarnation as was Jesus of Nazareth. That's a, a damnable heresy. It's a denial of the true incarnation of Christ by saying that we're on the equal level and we are obviously, we don't exist with two natures. So this is, you know, he said Jesus went to hell. Why did he need to be begotten or born? Because he became like we were, separated from God, because he tasted spiritual death for every man and his spirit and inner men, inner men went to hell in my place. That's not what it says. Can't you see that? Physical death wouldn't remove your sins. He's tasted death for every man. And notice that. Physical death wouldn't remove your sins. The atonement of the death of Christ doesn't remove your sins. He denied the physical atoning Christ. It was a sacrifice. He says he's tasted death for every man. He's talking about tasting spiritual death. Jesus is the first person that was ever born again. Why did his spirit need to be born again? Because it was estranged from God. These are all heresies. And how about this? He said this. Oh, I already read that one. Uh, he, physical death wouldn't remove sin. Um, he said Adam became satanic when he sinned. He said Satan became the god of this world due to Adam's sin. And Adam, look at this. I'll just read this. Originally, God made the earth and the fullness thereof, giving Adam dominion over all the works of his hands. In other words, Adam was the god of this world. And what he's doing is uh, by saying Adam was a god of this world, he's playing with the phraseology. And then, we're in Adam, we're like little gods of this world. These are the kinds of things that, that come up. He's got heresies. Okay? All right, thank you. Give, give that to your friend and see what he says. All right, I will. God okay. bless. <laughs> Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Hey, folks, we have two open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. We will be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. We have one open line if you want to give me a call. 877-207-2276. All right, let's get on the phone with, let's see, that would be Mike from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Welcome. You're on the air. Hello. I hit the button. Mike. I'm calling. Mike, are you there? We'll give him a little bit longer here. And if he doesn't show up, we'll put him on hold, and then we'll try the next caller. What if he's panicking? What if he's trying to get his phone? He's panicking. We'll see. All right, let's get over with Russell from North Carolina. Russ, welcome, buddy. You're on the air. Uh-oh. Okay. While I listen on the radio... Okay. Um, so I the question now, is about... Okay, go ahead. Start all over because we had a connection problem, and I don't know what it was. But Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Okay, so go ahead. So, first-time listener, and um, okay. had a thought about the question about Hebrews 6, and I was going to share a thought I had, and then sure. you can comment, and I can get off the phone, and I can just listen on the radio. Finished kind of a long study on the book of Hebrews to with an attitude of, 
God, I want to understand what you are saying in your word. And uh, chapter 6 is obviously a contentious kind of passage. People have different ideas. And I had a realization that in the book of Hebrews, it becomes evident he's not just speaking to Jewish Christians. He's also speaking to Jewish people mingled in with those Jewish Christians. And what's interesting about a Jewish Christian versus me, I'm just a Christian, but a Jewish Christian also retains this kind of identity along with the nation of Israel as well. And we want to look at Hebrews 6 and say, well, look, they, 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 you know, tasted of, you know, the good word in these things like a Christian does. But it became evident to me, I had this realization, he's speaking to the nation of Israel. You look at Romans, to what advantage has the Jew, chief every, in every way, because they had received the oracles. The nation of Israel saw the word of God. They saw the prophets. They saw the miracles. They had the opportunity to accept their Messiah who was sent, and then they rejected him. In that state, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, seeing that they've fallen away from their old system of repentance of sacrifices and now reject the one final uh, offer of repentance in Jesus Christ. Amen, brother. You nailed it. And we can make an application as Christians Mm -hmm. and say, well, what is this? And I would say these are people who have had literally every opportunity to see and understand who Jesus Christ is. You hear about people who grew up in fundamentalist homes, and now they're living godless lifestyles. They've had every opportunity to see Jesus Christ as Savior and rejected it. As I like to say to people when I explain this, because I believe it also echoes this same thought in Hebrews chapter 10, in like around 24 in that passage. He sent a Messiah. You reject him. He's not going to send another one. There's nothing left for you. You rejected the Messiah he sent. There's nothing left. Exactly. Hebrews ten twenty six. If we go on sinning willfully, you have to receive the knowledge of the right, truth. Right, right. No longer be sacrificed for sin. That's I see. What you said is exactly the position I hold. Exactly. And, and we could interpret ten twenty six as, well, I'm a Christian and I chose to sin. That's sinning willfully. If you look before it, he's talking about one right. final sacrifice. We can't interpret it as, I'm a Christian. I sinned. That's not what he's talking about. It's choosing to walk away from the opportunity to have redemption in Jesus Christ after that we've come to the knowledge that Jesus Christ is our available Messiah. Brother, you nailed it. You are absolutely correct. Okay. Speaking to the Jews. Glad I could nail it. Um, I hope that's an encouragement. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I often talk about that, and I use Judas as an example. He tasted the gift. He tasted this. Right, And I use that as an example. But it's also, yeah, the Jewish nation, because Jesus was covenantally sent to Israel, Matthew 15, 24. They saw this stuff, They did, and they're rejecting it. Right. Hey, you got nothing left. And that's what Paul's doing. I right. Paul and wrote Hebrews. I like to look at Pharaoh as well. Pharaoh had every opportunity. He hardened his heart. And then after so many times, God said, okay, I'm done, I will now harden your heart. It was literally impossible at that point for Pharaoh to be redeemed because he had passed that point of redemption. He had rejected God and his plan of redemption. He would not turn. Right. And we can do that today. So what about that passage in Isaiah, right? Not, not the, the Christians, Lord, while he may be found. 
to. Well, not to Christians. I'm saying in our day, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Well, what if I don't want to? Then you might find yourself in a day where you can't seek him anymore. Yeah, and uh, blend that in with Romans one eighteen through thirty two, where the judgment of God is on right. upon people, giving them over to the depravity of their hearts, minds, etc., because they're denying the truth. And God judges them and says, "Okay, now you're given over to it." And we see this in our culture today, all over right. the place. Yep, right. right. And like the philosopher Bertram Russell said, you know, well, what are you going to say when you stand before God? God, you didn't give me an ev- enough evidence. That's not what Romans one twenty says. You are without excuse. You had mm-hmm. every opportunity, and the problem is you rejected it. And that's, that's exactly, right. I think, as my understanding of Scripture, is the meaning of Hebrews chapter 6. You had an opportunity to see Christ. You rejected it, and now there's nothing left. Amen, brother. Hey, I, I have to go, but I'm going to keep listening on the radio. Thank you so much. Hey, you're welcome so much. Keep listening. Good stuff. You got it right. I totally agree with you. God bless. All right. Hey, that was encouraging. He nailed it. Uh, I really think it was a good articulation of the position. Let's get to Mike from Winston-Salem. Mike, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Right. <laughs> I was here before. I was yelling on my phone, but I guess I couldn't get through. But anyway, uh, right. I called you uh, about a week ago about the gospel of the kingdom and the difference between that and, 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 and the gospel. Well, I did some research, and I think I've got it, so you need to let me know if I'm right or wrong. Throughout okay. the Old Testament, yeah. throughout the Old Testament, uh, like Genesis twenty six four, uh, he tells Abraham, "I will multiply your descendants as the stars, as the sand on the seashore." Uh, mm-hmm. Genesis twenty two, it's again sand of the seashore. All nations will be blessed. Uh, Genesis forty nine ten, uh, Psalm two seven through nine, nations for your inheritance. Um, earth for your possession, Psalm 22, um, 27, uh, all will worship before you, all nations, um, Psalm 110, the footstool, uh, which I love, I love that one. Um, and then, you know, uh, there's more, there's Isaiah 2, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 65, 66. Anyway, the, the theme is the same, that eventually all nations will come to you, like in Daniel and he goes up to the Ancient of Days, and he draws the nations going up the mountain to God. Uh, and water doesn't flow uphill, they flows downhill, but these nations are turning finally to God. And then, of course, you have the Great Commission um, in Matthew, where he says, All authority is given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Um, so to me, the gospel of the kingdom, and w- which actually Matthew opens, and Matthew kind of opens with that when he speaks oh, well, hold of... On. we got a break. So when we get back from the break, what I want you to do is say, the gospel of the kingdom is, and then just define it out. Okay. All right? Because there's a lot of background, and I'm with you. So hold on. Hey, folks, we have two open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome back to the show. Let's get back on here with Mike from Winston-Salem. All right, Mike. You still there? Yeah. Okay, so what is the kingdom of the the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom is that the eventual reign of Christ on 
earth, that all nations will be drawn to God. Now, I know the dispensationalists say, well, that'll occur, you know, after the, the, the church is raptured, et cetera, et cetera, in the millennial reign, that kind of stuff. But nowhere in the stuff that I read said that. I'm reading, okay. I'm, I'm taking it word, word, kind of word for word, because it's very clear that this is what's going to happen. And if we as Christians do our, see, you're doing it by the missionaries that, that you send out, that gentleman that you had that, from South America, um, yeah. uh-huh. you know, um, that's, that's a sign of what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be reaching out, not just to people, but to the nations. Right. Uh, well, good. And, and so the gospel of the kingdom is, let's say it again then. Is the gospel of the kingdom is the, that eventually the nations will turn to Christ, will turn to God, and he will rule. I'll tell you what. It, it, it's almost, a, I look at I'll it and I say, you know, it's like we've already won the fight. If you would, if you could write that up and send it to me, email it to me, info at carbetterorg, and I'll check okay. it out. Because it, it okay. looks like it presupposes a premillennial view, and, uh, you know, and maybe that's a good argument against my position. So, uh, you know, I'm willing to check it out. Okay. Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and email that to you. All right. Sounds good, buddy. And we Appreciate it. And we as Christians really need to do our job. We need to get out there and not just witness, but we need to get involved in the culture and in the nation. I heard, um, 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 what's his name, that runs uh, Truth, the Truth Talk Network. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, saying that 40% Still. of Christians didn't vote in the last election. Uh, we need to vote. That to me is appalling. Yeah, that that's a that's basically sinful. Um, depending on your situation, if you can't, you can't. But if you know and you sh- yeah. you should support godly people, and you refuse to do that by your abstinence, that's that's a problem. So good stuff, buddy. Appreciate it. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, Matt. Right. Right, God bless. Okay. All right. Let's get to Monique from Greensboro, wherever that is. Yes. Okay. In Greensboro, North Carolina. Yeah. North Carolina. Uh, hi. I'm sorry. I said hi. <laughs> yes. Okay. Good evening. Yes, yes. Um, so my question, um, but I think I kind of answered it while I'm waiting, but uh, First Peter, I believe, uh, chapter 3, verse 6, I've always wondered, and, and I'm very King James just because I grew mm-hmm. up on that. I don't really read much others. Mm-hmm. But when he says, you are her daughters, as long as you are not afraid with any amazement, I saw an Amplified that says, with, as long as you're not afraid of what your husband might do, I've never thought it to be that. But I just wanted to ask you um, that part of it. I never just specifically, as long as you're not afraid with any amazement, I've always wondered what that meant. I think what he's going at is uh, that in the context of calling your husband Lord. Because as Sarah called yeah. Abraham Lord, which I have an interesting theological perspective on that. I think it's interesting. And you become her children if you do what is right without being frightened uh, by any fear, as the NASB says. And let's just go through different translations. The ESV uh, says, oh, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Uh, you're not afraid yeah. with any amazement, oh, King that. James. Uh, afraid with any terror, uh, New King James, L-E-B, uh, with any respect to any terror. Let, let nothing terrify you. In other words, I think it's what he's saying here is um, you do this and don't be, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. Because I think some women, particularly in the culture, were not very well respected. 
and right. they were often seen as a form of property, though they were not, not in the Jewish culture, absolutely not. But uh, they, you know, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. And so with the issue of uh, their freedom and Peter dealing with the issue of the lordship of Abraham, where Sarah called him Lord. And what does that mean? That's an interesting topic we can get into if you want. But the thing here yeah, is, without without that, you know, don't be afraid. Don't worry about it. Trust God through this, I think, is what's going on. Because a lot of times, what I understood is that in the culture of the time, the women, though they were not, were not considered as, I don't want to say valuable, because that's just not the right word. They were very valuable, but they just weren't in that high pedestal of equality as men were that a lot of times right. the women then would become uppity in the ways that they could in their resistance and rebellion. And when they found freedom in Christ, they carried a lot of that with them into the church. And so I think what Paul's doing is saying, look, you know, you can do that as First Corinthians 11 and First Timothy 2 and 2.11 and things like this about women learning and submission is that are not to be in that place. Trust God. Don't worry about it. It'll work out. That's a very low way of saying it, but, uh, but that's what I think is going on. I appreciate that, and, and there's so many that spun off of what you were saying. I don't want to get on a rabbit hole, but um, oh gosh, now I'm going to forget what I was going to say. So, uh, uh, so, so if I understand correct, you're <clears throat> you're leaning more towards it being uh, without. Don't be in. Don't feel fearful of taking the position of calling your husband Lord because of what it might mean like you lose your right. respectability you you know is that what you're it has to do with that, that. kind of what you're so now we need to look at what it, the context is about calling abraham lord because sarah called him lord and if you notice before that it says in this way former times holy women also who hoped in god used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands just as sarah obeyed abraham calling him lord when I do marriage counseling and when I talk, teach on the issue of marriage, this verse, I always bring this verse up, because I ask the wives, would you call your husband Lord? And they all say, no. And I ask them why. And it's because he's not worth being called Lord. He's not like Jesus is Lord. I said, well, that's not what he's saying here. It's not what it's not saying is Jesus is Lord. It's not like that. That's not it. But you're saying he's not, your husband's not worth it, right? Not worth being called Lord? That's what they could say. And I say, okay, are you worth being loved? And if they say yes, they're arrogant and prideful because they have to say, well, you know, made the image of God. Okay, now we're talking because the obligation of women to their husbands is to recognize the authority that they have in the home and in the marriage. Adam was first created. He gave had authority and he named the animals. He named Eve, designating his authority. He had that position, and the women are to recognize that position of men in the family. When they do that, women don't recognize. They don't know. They'll say, well, no, I can't call him Lord because he'll become arrogant. No, oh, no, no, no. When I have, I've, I've taught this, I talk a lot about this. So imagine this. I thought we're like, say, 20 people were in the class, men and women. And one particular evening, the men kind of gravitated towards the left side in front of, in front of me on the left, and the women were on the right side. Uh, you know, it just kind of happened one night like that. And, and I noticed it and made a joke out of it. And then we got talking about this verse. And I said to the ladies first, I said, would you call your husband Lord? And they said, no. They all said, no, he would not. And I said, why? And because, well, he's not like Jesus. He's not, you know, he's not worth it like that. And, and I said, okay. I said to the, to the men, I said, look, if your wife 
if you came home one day from work, you would say your wife's home, whatever, and she said, look, I've been thinking about what Matt Slick said, and I want to call you Lord, not as in Jesus is Lord, but the Lord as in the king of the house, the the one who's responsible in the house and who has that final authority. I'm going to start calling you Lord periodically in that sense, in a private sense. I say to the guys, what would you say about that? And they all do the same thing. They all go, no, 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 we don't want that. I turn to the women and I say, why do you think they don't want that? And here's the reason. Here's the secret. Men become what you expect of them. If you treat them like children, they'll become children. You treat them like kings, they'll become kings. Now, not every man's going to do that. But if you start treating your man with respect and you honor him as the head of the family without ridicule, without that, that nasty side expression look of, of uh, putting him down for your, for your displeasure, then you are, because by doing that, you're doing the opposite of what this is. And you're trying to control them. Mm-hmm. And I says, well, men pick up on it and they will lower down to the level because they don't want to have any problems because you're going to try and be the one who's in control. But if you submit yeah. to the lordship of God by submitting to the lordship of your husband, what will happen is he's going to say, what? You're, uh, now i uh, I got to up my game. That's what will happen. And you have to recognize, I say to the women, you have to recognize that when a man does this, he's going to screw up. And the reason is because there's no playbook on how he's to do every decision in every day of every life, of every month in his life. He's going to lead forward. And what you should be doing is supporting him. He's trying this before the Lord. He's trying that before the Lord. If he fails, praise God. But he's trying before the Lord. And if you honor him that way, you're going to have a man who's going to be proud of you. You're going to have a man who's going to be ready to serve you. You're going to have a man who's not going to be afraid to take risks in a godly way and try and do what's what's right before God and his wife. But if, on the opposite hand, I'm not going to call you Lord, you're not worth it, then he'll pick up on that, even though his position is, of necessity, the, the head of the house, and then he'll pick up on that, and he will lower himself to that position so there's not any problems in the house. Happy wife, happy life stuff comes into play. I know I went through that quickly. Hey, Monique, we got a break. Hold on. No. And we'll, yes. we'll be right, yes. right after the break. <laughs> right, right after the break, okay? Okay. Hey, folks, there you go. That was quick and slick, but it's true. I'll be right back after these messages. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, well, welcome back to the show, Monique. Are you still there? Yes. Yes, yes. All right. Uh, I am, yes. Did you, okay, okay, so did you have something you were going to add to the last thing you said? Or you oh, I could add a lot more. I get a lot more, <laughs> but that's good. That's good right there. I know a lot of women are probably going, what? Uh, but no, but see, to, I appreciate true. that, and that's why I wanted to, I don't want to get too excited, but these are all these, because um, in, in my view, I, I would have thought, just like everything you said, even uh, in a in psychology, because I'm actually trying to be marriage and family therapist, mm-hmm. the secular people agree with that when it's in that language. It just shows all the more they're just determined to hate it if it's God, if it just if it's got God's name right. on it, because there's a whole lot. But I also so so the, it's kind of a spin off of that. I'm not a woman being a pastor. We spoke about some of this before, but in a position where. Uh, even say your husband, and maybe you're the more knowledgeable, you you know, or I should say you've walked with the Lord more mm-hmm. seasoned, maybe. 
and then him. Now, I would think that, of course, you wouldn't take an arrogant position uh, with that. Even then. But if you do know more, yes. How, how would mm-hmm. you, I, my question then would be, um, of course, my answer would be just use wisdom. Uh, but right. how yeah. would you uh, go about, if you know he's wrong, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. but you want to still be Simple. in this, you certainly don't want to make him feel stupid or, or like right. you're, you know, rebuking him. That's very, very, very critical. Yeah, and that's that. Uh-huh. That certainly happens. So what I gave was a normative uh, thing. Now we got to, you know, derivations. So what do you do if you're married to an unbeliever? Um, and since unbeliever wants to buy a new car that you know you can't afford, for example, and you say, "Look, I, I don't agree with this, but if this is what you want to do, then uh, you know I'll, I'll trust you, and I'll I'll know that uh, you'll take care of what needs to be taken care of." And you don't say it with a threatening tone. And here's something else that women don't realize. This is gonna, I'm going to say this very carefully in a, a, a roundabout way because children might be listening. But oftentimes women will withhold themselves if yes. it doesn't go their way. And that is a form of punishment and manipulation, um, passive-aggressive, in order to get control. And if they... Now, I thought that, thought that was like a witchcraft thing simply because no. it would be... Controlling no. and, and, and it's, it's just a it's just a manipulation thing, and, and and women shouldn't do that. Men shouldn't do it either. But if you know, as, just use an example of buying a car, and let's just say that uh, he after a few months he realizes it was a really bad decision. You don't say, "See, I told you so," in a snotty tone. He's not going to want to talk to you. But if you say, "That's okay, we'll work it out together," and he looks at he's going to look go, "Wow, I, I turned out I made a bad decision, and she's still kind to me." Wow, I got a good wife. Then what's going to happen I is like next time. What, hold on, listen to this. People need to know this. You need to know this. Next time, what will happen, he will listen to you because he's not afraid of you anymore about your ridicule. This is how, why it works. Okay? Well, and I wish I could remember the address, but this is what I, you know, is you win him with your lifestyle. It, it, when, First oh, Peter God, 3 1. I believe I don't remember the address. Thank First you. Peter 3 you know, 1. That he may be won, won over with the lifestyle. And, and see, I don't relate to that. My relation, and be a woman that has to bear everything, you'll have a different perspective. You think well, God for your husband to lead something. No, no, no. no. From what I'm doing. What, what I'm the whole thing. Yeah, what I'd like to do is teach a two-hour seminar on this and say, here's this normative situation, biblically based. Now, here are variations of it. What do we do? And how do we apply this? And that needs to be done. But what Peter's doing is giving us the, the basics. And if Christian women would understand this, they, they don't realize, a lot of Christian women don't realize, women in general don't realize, if you treat your man like a king, he'll become a king. And if you treat him like yeah, crud, he's going to become that. I feel exactly the opposite. I would think that's an obvious thing, but I guess... I'm just telling you how men I are. I, I'm a man. Yeah. I'm telling you how men are. I talk to men. This is what we believe. This is what it is. I have to tell women. Here's another thing. is When I, I'm talking to people, women about this, I'll say, women... What does it mean, you know, ladies, you know, I say, what does it mean for your husband to love, uh, or I say men, what does it mean for you to love your wife? I mean, to, yeah, to love your wife. And I have a chalkboard, right? List out one, you know, do this. Do. And we get, you know, seven, eight, nine things. And I'll say to the ladies, is this good? And they go, yeah, yeah, it's good. You know, be patient. Um, you know, listen to them. 
uh, help them out. You know, all these things. You know, don't yell at them. Uh, don't make them feel bad. You know, uh, help. You know, help do dishes. Varying ways. Tell them you love them. You know, just stuff. You know, do a, a hug without any um, other intentions. You know, kind of stuff. And I'll say, okay, women, tell us what it means now for you to respect your husband. And they don't write down anything that we believe. The point See, I'm I don't make, relate to that at all. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's this, a weird way well, of let me explain at why. It. I really do. Let me explain why. This is wrong. important because it's uh, uh, the society is moving against men, and it's uh, even in the churches, it's men are bad, women are good, kind of a thing. Women, men, you got to wa- like, love your wife as uh, Jesus loved the church. Well, you're supposed to love, respect your husband as you respect Christ. So show us what that respect looks like, and they don't know. And so the marriages are very imbalanced in the roles and understanding from a biblical perspective. And because of it, there's conflict and problems. And what happens is women don't know what to do, don't know their boundaries and responsibilities, just like men often don't. And so there's miscommunication, divorce, resentment, and things like that. And resentment leads to anger, and anger leads to murder. Not that they'll physically kill, but in their heart, where you're wishing you know, harm and anger towards your spouse. And this kind of stuff goes. This is why I need to teach on this. I'm amazed that you're saying most of the women have that up you because I don't I I very happily believe you know if you love him like or if you honor him and then he loves you as Jesus loves the church that's high honor I I'm amazed but what does it mean most of the women what does it mean what does it mean what does it mean for a woman to respect her husband a wife to respect her husband you know what that right means? to honor what is what is it to, to honor to honor and allow that man to lead as God has put him. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. And, and, and to hold on. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait. 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 Well, you, you said something very really significant. <laughs> no. 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 You said something very significant. You said allow him to. Yes. So now you allow yes. your husband to lead. Is that the right attitude to have to allow it? Which means you're in control. Yes. See the problem? Because it, we're so used to well, saying oh. this. You allow your husband to lead. That means you give him permission to do what's already his okay, responsibility. Okay, so can I go in there? Because let me let me come in there. Because it's very important. Because you're going to miss the whole. Because I'm I, I don't know if you actually end up agreeing with you. No, when I say allow, yeah, I think you don't realize. Yeah, when when I say allow, I, I would say that in the same way as you know, um, you're standing in the rain, and you don't run for cover. You're allowing it to rain on your head. I'm not talking about I shall permit you. But maybe next week mm. I won't permit you. That's not what I mean. It just okay, gives good. way to it. Give, yeah, see, that. a lot of times I'm sure you're used to people thinking something mm-hmm. else. And that's yeah. I'm actually saying what you're saying. I'm like, I, I don't think he's quite getting that. So, yeah, I just, you know, I think that's shocking that you said most of the women didn't know. Because to me that's right. a, a given kind of a thing if you're actually walking in the Word. It seems very black and white to me. So I just wanted to make that clear in case yeah. someone else listening thought because like, that was the exact opposite of what I was saying. So, but yeah, cool. um, so yeah, okay. So that clears. Or as long as okay. you're not afraid with any amazement, I just wanted to know with with any amazement. <laughs> I never quite understood what that meant. Well, there you but, go. Um, we got yeah. good conversation yep. too. All right. Yeah. Yep. Have well, I appreciate time. you. <laughs> I appreciate you calling, but oh, it's a ahead. great yeah, topic. Here. All right. Yes. So keep keep listening. Call again, okay? Appreciate you. God bless you. You too. God bless. All right. I know, boy, a lot of stuff that I say is like, what? But I 
back it up with scripture. I show people. And here's a question for the for the wives. Do you know what it means to respect your husband? Hmm. Let's get to Matt from California. Matt, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Just really irritating people and digging a hole for myself from the from the family universe. Go ahead. Oh no, I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> hey, at least it's not Friday. Hey, I'm used right? to it. it. Might be better for Friday. Then you can read off some hate mail and have some chuckles. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Friday. All right. So what do you I, got? I, I'd just like to say. Well, first, I'd like to say, like your last caller and how you responded. That was a treasure trove. That was like mining gold. I was like, whoa, everything you said, I was like, it, oh my gosh, if if Christian women would listen to that, if they would humble themselves and hear those words and take it to heart, oh my gosh, oh, so many problems would be alleviated. Yep. So many problems. And men got their, their, they have their responsibility too, but this is the key oh, yeah, yeah. one verse. Sure. But yes, I totally agree. I want to teach on this. I want to have a seminar on this. I want to do one, a three-day seminar. The first night is for the men. The second night's for the women, and then the third night is for men and women together. You make, make a lot of noise there, man. Yeah, I think it's very. You got a lot of noise in the background. Very, very needed. So, what's your question? Hey, hey, we're doing it. You're making too much noise. No, you can't do that. Okay, oh, no, 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 I just had noise. to finish off a uh, tape tape issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, yeah. So, mm. a follow up on uh, last. I think it was last week or something. I had called in. And I had a question trying to understand how to reconcile Mark 4.12 and Ephesians uh, 1.4. Well, that's easy. Ephesians 1.4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we be holy and blameless before him. So God chose certain people to be saved. In Mark 4.10-12, uh, Jesus speaks in parables so people will not be saved. Because the ones that are not elected to be saved, he speaks to parables so they won't get the information. Yeah, this is yeah. We touched upon this, and I said, well, if we've already been chosen before the foundations of the earth, then there'd be no need for Jesus to speak in parables because nobody other than those that have already been chosen will sure. be saved. Sure, no, no, no. Because if Jesus, who is God in flesh, is speaking with authority, commanding people to believe, then they got to believe. But if they're not elect, he speaks in parables so he can speak the truth, which only the elect will understand, and the non-elect won't, because that's what his decree is. But how could how could they be how could they be how could they be saved? How could they be brought in to salvation if they hadn't already been chosen from before the foundations of the earth? Exactly, they can't. Elect? They can't. They have to be chosen by God. That's what the Bible says. So there's no right, problem. So, but there's it, no it sounds like it had to. It sounds like it had to that it already took place in a the, previous the period of time. The election was before yeah. the universe was created. That's what it says. Right. He chose us in him so then, before the foundation that, of the world. Okay. Yeah, so they're already they're already known. Those who will be his, they're already known. They're already the ones in the class or the group or the category of the uh -huh. elect. How the manifestation of the redemptive work of the elect occurs is the subject of discussion <clears throat> excuse me and so god will grant to them faith philippians 129 at faith in christ john 6 29 the others get in parables so they will not believe because the power of the word jesus who speaks the power of the word which is his nature is such that that things need to be hidden from the non-elect so they don't get saved because it's not what god chose for them anyway 
And then people say, well, wait a minute. Second Peter 3, uh, 9 says he wants all to be saved. Who's the all? And that's the question. And I could, sh- I could do a study on that and show you how God uses the word all in relationship to the atoning work and relationship to the, to the people of God in a different way than we do. Right out of Scripture, and I show it to him on a regular basis. It's there. But we're out of time. Sorry for going so fast. Call back tomorrow, buddy. Okay. Yeah, all right. All right. Hey, uh, Sean from Utah on LDS and pre-existence. Oh, that'd be good. And Frank from Utah explained John 19.27. Sure, tomorrow if you call in. The Lord bless you all by His grace. We'll be back on here tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Another program powered by the Truth Network.